0: We are, this will be the last week for Hosea. This is uh, session four, the restoration promise. God promises to forgive all who turn to him in repentance. We'll be in Hosea chapter 14, 1 through 9. Next week, there will not be any church, no Sunday school, nothing, stay at home, Warm your tootsies in front of the fireplace. (laughs) Drink your cocoa. Open your presents. Make your own coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Sharon and Diana, you are not not making house calls. Come (laughs) on. No, I'm going to my nephew's for breakfast. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So no, no church next week. Do come Saturday night to the uh, Christmas Eve service. It'll be, it'll be special that will be good. We we won't be here the following week. Pray for us. We'll have at least ten to twelve teenagers staying every week. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get that lucky (laughs) thing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Had kids. (laughs) Anyway, so well. Anyway, we uh we're wrapping up uh the book of Hosea. And it seems like every week I get up and I do the same sermon or the same lesson. Because Hosea was kind of the, one of the last prophets sent to Israel. And over the course of 25 years, all these sermons that we're looking at, which is what the book is, it's a collection of sermons written poetic form, um, it's the same message over and over again. If you ever studied other religions, which I do, I I enjoy looking and understanding other religions because you know when they come to the door or whatever, and I run into them to be able to talk intelligently to them, you quickly realize that their literature, if you do any study historically, it changes Mm -hmm. over time. I mean, I own a copy of the Bhagavad Gita. Which is the Hindu Bible. (laughs) Yeah. Which is the Hindu Bible. And if you start reading at the beginning and you read all the way to the end, the rules change and what the gods expect change. And the stories don't actually jive. You know, this one, you know, a later story that's the same time period is different than an earlier one. And, you know, the points and stuff, they change. The Book of Mormon. I have a copy of that. If you can read that and some of the other books, the uh, Pearl of Great Price, and, the, and you start looking at this stuff, they don't line up. They they the, the rules, the regulations, the even the how things were done, they, they don't they don't they're not consistent. As we look at the book of Hosea over a 25 year period. Hosea's message never changed. And that's just Hosea. We looked at First and 2 Kings earlier in the uh, fall, which is the same time period, and the message didn't change. Everything that Hosea says, we can see it took place in those. And those were history books. I mean, First and Second Kings were books of history from the king's though it was their chroniclers. You know, the guy sits there at the foot of the throne and everything that happens, they write it down. And they write, they put it, that's what they did. They took all that and they put it in. This is the, you know, this is what happened with the kings. And then here's the prophets who say, because you were doing these things, this is what God's gonna do. And it's a consistent message. And we find this as we go through scripture, there's great consistency over long periods of time from multiple prophets which has been the whole point of this current study we're going to look at Micah not next week but New Year's Day we'll start the book of Micah and we're going to see guess what Micah's message is the same as Hosea's which was the same as Amos Jonah's message was the same but it was to somebody different but it's still the same message that God wants to restore us through our repentance of sinning against him. The next unit that we will do, starting probably mid-January, because I think there's two lessons in my maybe more. Um, So mid-January, we're going to start back in the New Testament, and we're going to look at the book of John. And the the first part will be John chapter 1 through chapter 11. And guess what we're going to find the message is the same. <laughs> the message is the same. We need <coughs> to be restored to God. And that restoration comes through our repentance. The object of the repentance is what's going to change. That all this sacrifice and all this, these systems that he gave us in the Old Testament are going to be done away with. And that's what Jesus is going to bring. And that's what we're going to see. That he's the once and done, sacrificed, all all finished, but nothing has changed. The, the, system, the system was meant to cause a heart change in us so that we will live the way he wants us to live. So as we look at this, I know it seems like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. But when you look at other religions, that is the one thing they lack, is everything changes. I mean, just look at our world. Um, you, if you remember just 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, things that were acceptable or not acceptable um, I, I like to watch period pieces and, um, I, and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Blake uh, Mysteries it's a, it's, a, it's a British show out of Australia and he's a medical doctor who had come home from the war, from like the Korean wars and stuff in the Pacific after World War II and so it's set in the 50s and early 60s and one of the episodes, they were trying to deal with these two guys who lived together and everybody thought they were homosexuals, which was illegal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the cops came and they arrested him and they beat him up because of it. And all that turns out they weren't. They were just good friends and all that. But the the way the world thought of that, it was the, the, the time in the show was 1960. That they were beating up that now. I mean, we glorify it. And we we bring you to the White House and celebrate you and woo yeah, yeah. And, and all that. What is that? The 1960 60 to today years. huh? 62 years. 62 years. We've gone from the cops are showing up at your house just to beat you up <laughs> because we think you're that. We don't even have any proof. <laughs> to you're telling us that you are publicly on national TV and everything, and you get a ticker tape parade at the, the White House. There is no consistency in society, but here we have the word of God that covers multiple societies over thousands of years, and the message stays the same. That is amazing if you start thinking about it. This is why the world hates it, because it doesn't change. It isn't um, progressive enough. The gospel's not progressive. The Bible's not progressive. Guess what? God's not progressive. God is absolute, and that's what they don't like. So here we go, Hosea chapter 14, 1 through 9. Um, We were in chapter 10 last week, so let's catch up a little bit. We'll do some background here. (laughs) Chapter 11, that's the thing. When you're doing these chapters, it's real easy because it's just basically one sermon. And chapter 11 is all about how much God loved Israel. So he goes through this whole thing that he loves them and he wants to see them restored and all that. Chapter 12, well, these are God's indictments um, on Israel and Judah. Throw Judah in there uh, a little bit. But this is what he's got against them. And then we're in chapter 13 and we see that God's relentless Yes, I chose that word. (laughs) Relentless judgment on Israel. They weren't getting out of it. You sinned and you refused to come back to him. You refused to repent. Then judgment will be relentless on Israel. So there we go. That brings us to chapter 14. Any question on those before we we go? Uh, Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. All right, Hosea chapter 14, 1 to 3. Somebody go ahead and read that for you. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, except what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more, our God to the work of our hands. In you, the orphan finds mercy. All right, thank you. Why do people refuse to admit their wrongdoing even when they know what they did was wrong? Mm -hmm. They want to avoid judgment or penalty. Okay, they want to avoid judgment or penalty. Mm -hmm. Why else? Pride. They mm. don't want to <laughs> be wrong. They don't want to be wrong. Yeah, there you go. That's huge. The pride of man never amazes me. Uh, I mean, we are just as downright evil as we could possibly be. What else? They want to do what they want to do. Yeah. So they whether people like it or not, there's no fear of God. Yeah. We really don't fear God, do we? We claim that we do, um, but we, we, we tend to just like, oh, yeah, God's judgment, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be very surprised that it actually is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At some point, we, we, we won't learn our lesson from those that it's happened to. Oh, they didn't know what they were talking about. They have no idea. They're not nearly as modern as we are. We, we know better. <clears throat> yeah interesting fact this um, passage this prayer this whatever you want to call it uh, it's more than likely where I don't know if you're familiar with the sinners prayer mm-hmm. um, a lot of churches use it used it uh, in evangelism uh, it was part of um, now the system just went out of well, th- yeah, they they use it a lot with children, but it was also used in um, EV. Uh, no, evangelism, evangelism explosion. 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 Yeah, they had the sinner's prayer. Uh, a lot of a lot of things. A lot of people do. They they had this idea, and they think that it probably came from this, as uh, Hosea is giving us the idea of the sinner's prayer here. Um, let's take this apart a little bit. Because what we're really looking for is true repentance. Um, Chapter 14 is uh, part 6 of the book of Hosea, and it's the final call to repent. And we're looking for true repentance. A lot of people repent, and what it is is that, oh, I'm sorry, I got caught. That's really what it is. That's not repentance. (coughs) True restoration starts with true repentance. Now that seems like a circular argument, but it's not. There are three parts to repentance that we see as we look at this uh, couple of verses. The first part to true repentance is we need to appeal to God for forgiveness. Most people do that. That that's part of the the one part that we seem to really get. We'll 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 beseech God to forgive us because we're in trouble because we did something wrong and we got caught. Um, but there needs to be an appeal. Secondly, um, renunciation of false objects of faith. We need to renounce. The thing that we believed was true. Now, what are we talking about? Idols. Yeah. The calf. Well, But I don't think I've ever seen you worship worshiping a calf, right? Well, <laughs> you haven't. You're, you're not in our house all the time. Right? <laughs> well, I <I'll> was just saying you got one in your living room. Huh? <laughs> the reality is, is we think of idolatry as just that, you know, some that's statue. That's statue but does that count? <laughs> what other things? I mean, there the uh, modern world here in America, we, we don't worship objects like that, do we? Sports. What do we do? We worship sports, sure. Actors. Actors. Go ahead, Cindy. Anything that takes you away from Jesus. Yeah, anything that draws us away from God. We need to renounce those objects of our faith. Something else has led us astray. If we're in sin then whatever that whatever is led us into it we need to renounce it we need to say no oh no not the word no that's a naughty word nowadays um, but we we we've got to put it away see we don't mind calling out for forgiveness god forgive me okay you'll be forgiven renounce your idol ah oh, well wait a second now i i i need that thing Whatever it is, I, I need the applause of the crowd. I need the approval of my boss. So I need to work that 90 hours and, and, and forget my family and everybody and everything else. I, I can't give that up. How I pay for this house. Ooh, well, maybe a smaller one. No, 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 I can't do that because so-and-so has a has a house the same size. I can't give that up. What do we got? What are we worshiping? The house well really it's pride ourselves keeping up with the Joneses there's your American idol keeping up with the Joneses Yeah. we need to renounce those objects that our our faith is in that they give us status they give us what makes us feel good because that's God's job our joy should be in him if we're finding happiness in something else and not him then that's our God let me say that again If you find your happiness and joy in something else other than God, then that's your God. So now think about that on Christmas morning, (laughs) as you're opening up whatever it is. Finally, we need to, the third part to true repentance, is to appeal to the character of God. We, We need to know who he is and what he is like and how we're offending his character so that we can bring that characteristic into our lives. See, now we got we cross over. This is where Paul says that we need to be more like Christ. We need to change. We need to put off the old man, put on the new man. See, that they, we, we think of that, and we, I hear all sorts of sermons. Like, but what he's talking about is we're taking on the character of God because we've offended his character somehow in our sin. And when we say that we want to be forgiven, then that means we want to have that character in our lives, which means we need to take the character that we have that's problematic and leading us astray, causing problems, and adopt the character of God. So we need to know, we need to appeal to the character of God so that it's in our life. Israel, at this point in Hosea's day, was having problems with being humble, and they were being um, merciful. They were price gouging widows. They were taking the orphans and selling them into slavery to make a buck. And they thought they were all that and then some because, you know, we're rich, we're powerful, we've got our military, and that's where our faith was. And they needed to put off those characteristics and take on the characteristics of God. Ultimately, the heart, not the actual words. A lot of people put a lot of stock in like the sinner's prayer. But I know a lot of people who pray it very often and it doesn't make them a Christian. The words don't do it. It's the heart. They are the most important part of praying for repentance. If you're not changed then you haven't repented, you can mouth any cantrip you want any spell from any spell book it doesn't work because it's not there's no real power in it the power is in the changing of our lives to conform to god so ultimately the heart not the actual words are the most important part of praying for repentance comment question like there's just a lot more and more hearts that need to be changed with all the different things that are going through like you started the lesson off with the way that happened 60 years ago and now it's applauded and those those hearts need changed yeah there are a lot of people who will mouth the words I mean Jesus himself said that that there would be those who said that that they said Lord Lord and he's going to tell them I never knew you why because their hearts never came into conformity with his. I think we can get caught up in that real quick. Um, that we think, oh yeah, well, I, you know, I went to church. I, I heard that choir last week and all that. I'm, I'm real godly. I'm real spiritual. And, and we fool ourselves. And I think a lot of the world, at least America, is fooling itself into thinking that they are believers, that they are Christians. And they're not. Or they're living in sin and have lost sight of what's important, which would be conforming to Christ. One word comes to mind on on all this is justification. It seems like even as Christians we justify and say, well, it's really not a sin because... Uh That's what comes to my mind. Yeah, Uh, well, I mean, like you said, we're doing that today. They were doing that then. I mean, this is... 800 B.C., <laughs> 2800 years ago. They, they were doing the same thing, and Hosea's calling them out on it. Guess what? Paul called us out, too. And yeah. I probably got the idea from here. When you drive around and see Chris, Christmas decorations, most of them are like cartoon characters, blow-ups yep. like that. Yeah, you rarely are seeing a nativity scene anymore. Right, exactly. No. Even churches aren't putting up nativity scenes out in front of them anymore. Uh, well, it doesn't help that people vandalize them, but that that's yeah. I mean, that's a, that's part of the problem right there. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on. See what else Hosea's got to say. And here we go. Hosea chapter 14, 4 through 7. I will heal their hail their apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger has turned from them I will be like the dew to Israel he shall blossom like the lily he shall take root like the trees of Lebanon his shoots will spread out. shall spread out his beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon they shall return and dwell beneath my shadow they shall flourish like the grain they shall blossom like the vine Their Fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Very picturesque language. And probably doesn't mean a whole lot to us. It meant a lot to them. But let me see if I can try and make this uh, make a little sense. True forgiveness. We talked about what is part of true repentance. True forgiveness comes from God. And this is what he does on his side. Um, God will heal he says what is he healing our hearts our hearts <coughs> our relationship with him our relationship with ourselves. our relationship with others If you're healing something, then what does that tell us about it? Something's sick. Something's Something's wrong. It's injured. It's wounded. It's damaged. God uses these words in a very picturesque way through Hosea in this book to tell us something. We're damaged goods. We need healing. We don't think we do. Ah, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just the way I am. No, you're, you're damaged. God needs to heal you. When we ask for repentance and we truly begin to try and repent, he begins to help us and we become healthy in ways that we don't understand because we don't see the problems in our lives. We just think, well, that's the way my family is. That's just the way people are. One of my favorite Christmas music movies is uh, It's a Beautiful Life, <coughs> or wonderful, it's life. It's a wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Mr. Potter is so damaged. I mean, he's the extreme character. I mean, that was the whole point. He, he wouldn't repent for anything, would he? He sets George Bailey up. I mean, that's the whole point of the movie. He wants the Bailey loan, building and loan so bad that he sets George up to be arrested on Christmas. He calls the newspapers. He calls the sheriff. He calls the bank auditor to sick them all on George. Now, was it George's fault? Who lost the money? The The uncle. But what does George do? He takes responsibility, he's the CEO, the buck stops here. There was no golden parachute ditching the company, I'm out, you guys left holding the bag, see you later. No, there, he's running around town trying to figure out what to do and how to pay this off so that the company doesn't go bankrupt and all that. But Potter, Potter's so, he calls him a, a frustrated, warped old man. Guess what, every one of us is, is Mr. Potter, aren't we? Yeah, You see no family No friends They're just underlings And the, the guy from the guy pushing the chair around To some state senator They're nothing but the dirt beneath his feet That is what God will heal The problem is, is We live in a world that says Well that's normal, he's rich That's acceptable Because he's rich Look how much money he made Look how successful he is he can be like that. Especially if it's not, you know, I don't directly work for him or have any, any doings, then we're willing to ignore that. But you know, that's the problem. That's where the healing, the whole Grinch that stole Christmas. Mm-hmm. We know that story. What's wrong with the Grinch? His heart's too small. His heart's too, small, too small. And it's not <laughs> his real heart. I mean, that's what the movie or the thing, <laughs> that it's just too small. But it's not. Where the Grinch? until we seek true repentance and God grants us true forgiveness and he starts to heal us and then that heart grows three sizes that day and we begin to understand see all these cultural references our society understands it but we just want it to happen we don't want God to do it that's a problem God will heal and we need to be healed we need to be healed every day uh, we are that damaged. God will love. We think we understand love. We want love. I mean, that's all the world is right now, is we're looking for love. But understand that when we see, God already loves us. He wouldn't have bothered doing what he did if he didn't. But we don't get, we it's just love that's out there. But when we seek true repentance and he says, okay, you're forgiven. Now we begin to understand and, and we receive his true love. And we see what it's going to lead to in the end. As he sets a place for us at the marriage feast of the Lamb. And all those other banquets that are going to be there. That we're going to feast with him. That he's going to set us at his table. That he makes us his children. All those things. Now we get the love. That's this whole restoration. This true forgiveness. And finally, true forgiveness, God will blossom and flourish us. That doesn't mean prosperous. That doesn't mean that we're going to have money oozing out of our pores, but our person, we're going to be somebody like George Bailey that everybody wants to be friends with. We get to the end of the movie and you see just how loved he truly was. He didn't see it. He couldn't understand it until it happened. That's where God is blossoming and flourishing us. When we begin to put other people before us and we begin to serve others and do things like that that aren't natural to sinful man. Mankind is a dog-eat-dog world. Right makes, might makes right. Whatever I can get, i got to look out for number one. i got to be the, you know, all that stuff. That's normal. That's natural selection. That's how the world works without... Repentance and forgiveness from God. We begin to blossom and flourish in Him. Comment. Question. See all this stuff, it plays into the New Testament. This is where Paul got so much of the stuff. We read, we read those New Testament books, and Paul has taken all this and boiled it down to a few sentences for us. Go ahead, Carl. Uh, I grew up in, you know, Christian home, and it's easy to, it's easy just to, you know, go through the motions, and, and stuff like that, and, and deceive yourself. Um, and the Lord showed me a couple uh, couple things about even asking Him for repentance. Even asking Him, you know how uh, John said to the, to the Pharisees, bring forth fruit to repentance, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times, we don't even see our our condition, and you almost have to, I asked the Lord for fruit for repentance, mm-hmm. and fruit to abiding in him, and fruit to doing his work, so I ask for those things, because I can't, I can't do it on my own. I no, no myself. we can't. So, I mean, I, I, can talk, I could talk religiously. <laughs> yeah, well, I, we're, we're good at that, we're yeah. good at the play acting, aren't yeah. we? I mean, our churches are full of play actors. Yeah. They think that they're Christians, but they're not really willing to do the true repentance. Yeah, and the key is to be, you know, a genuine child of God, you know, a genuine. Totally. All right, moving along. Uh, Hosea, chapter 14, uh, 8 and 9. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress, from me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. ways of the Lord are right. Hosea says this. Every prophet in the Old Testament says this, doesn't they? Mm-hmm. Paul reiterates it in the New Testament for us. This is heralded by God himself by telling us not once, but twice to do what Christ says. That this is his son. Listen to him. Obey him. Submit to him. The ways of the Lord are right, but yet we want to to get rid of them. They're the first thing that gets thrown out in a progressive society, isn't it? The ways of the Lord. We're attempting to redefine marriage. Which is one of the first things God institutes in Genesis, isn't it? Mm -hmm. He creates everything, puts Adam out there, Adam goes and names everything, and the next thing we get is God bringing a woman to him and saying, okay, this is your wife. I mean, it doesn't get any earlier in Mm -hmm. mankind's history that this is what it is. And what's the one thing we are trying desperately to destroy? And We look at Europe. And what's the one thing that they did destroy? Families. Families. I mean, you look at how, over the years, they've done that. I mean, we go back to World War II, as they were dealing with the Jews in Nazi Germany. They destroyed the family. They ripped them apart. Kids went here. Parents went there. then Then the parents are separated. They destroyed it. I mean, it was a very physical, violent thing. They did the same thing in Russia as they dealt with the Cossacks, as they dealt with the Jews and all the other groups that they didn't want. Go ahead, Annie. I think they're going a step even further. They're not pulling the family apart anymore. They're destroying the next generation that would... Oh yeah, we we realized that, that by doing it in a forcible manner such as that. I mean, that, that, that's what thats what the world has learned. If you do it that way, people rebel. It starts wars. But, go after the well, you go after the children and teach them that that's not what the meaning of family is, and redefine it, and people just start buying into it. But that's not even it. That, that's not even where it started. It starts with, well, you know, I just need you to work uh, on the weekend. Just once a month, we got to get caught up and all. And we start putting jobs ahead of our family or the making of money. I, I just need a few more hours. I can get just ahead. Well, what do you need? Well, I, 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 we need a new car. We need a new whatever. I want to send my kids to a better school. So I'm going to work extra hours. But we begin to destroy the family. The ways of the Lord are right. Guess what? Living in poverty isn't evil. It isn't bad to have less than everybody else or less than those that you live around. Because the ways of the Lord are right. There are people who have next to nothing but have their families that are much happier than some of the richest people I know. They are miserable. And as uh, Rockefeller said, how much is enough, just a little bit more? That's our problem. How about just a little bit more family? Ah, no, no, that isn't worth anything, is it? Until you're old and dying, and I'm walking through the halls at Manitoni Manor, and people who haven't seen their families in years. They haven't talked to them in years. Why? Well, family just wasn't that important. This is a holiday of family. And what is the TV telling us? Just gather with your friends. They're they're your friend. What what is it? The Friendsgiving? Look, I got nothing against friends. I got a lot of friends. I enjoy being with them. I enjoy going to things with them uh, and all that. But they're not the family. Because the family is the building block of life. That's where God started it. It starts with the family. And from there, it becomes your church And they're the next building block. And from there, it's your community. You want to change your community? The only thing that's going to change your community is a church that's living in the ways of the Lord, which means that you've got to be living in your family in the ways of the Lord, because it's a building block system. Societies are built on the backbone of families. If the families are destroyed, then the society has no strength. And we're all there. I mean, that was the whole model of Russia. It's why the Middle East is so strong. Do you realize that? Mm-hmm. They are family-centric. Now, th- their, their idea of family is, you know, the man rules and the women are, are second-class citizens and all that. But the family does everything together. There's a strong familial sense. I think it's one of the reasons why we see Islam growing in the United States. Mm-hmm. People want family because God designed it that way. We want those things. It's one of the reasons why so many Baptists become Mormons, because they have a very strong. This is what the fa- here's the picture of the family, and you live this way. Baptists are they're changing from being Baptists to Mormons at a faster rate than ever before, because they have a structure. And now we're seeing what's happening with the Mormons. They're starting to vote the other way, at least in politics, against the family. They're not going to stand too long. They're going to become like the Catholic Church. I mean that's what killed the Catholic Church. No longer was the family the central focus. And so now the churches are, you know, mostly empty anyway. The ways of the Lord are right. Transgressors stumble. Isn't that sound familiar? Hmm. What do we hear about the stumbling block? Yeah, where the word said, the Lord is, is a stone of offense. Um, those who st- I forget how that goes. <laughs> yeah, Jesus is the stumbling block. Yeah. yeah, that He's the cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone, and people are going to stumble over it, mm-hmm. and all that. Isaiah tells us that it's one of the things that he says about the coming Messiah. Jesus says, "I am Him. I am that block." It's because transgressors stumble over him. People who are not tra- people who believe, people who are seeking true repentance and true forgiveness, don't stumble over Jesus. They're clinging to him. They're not trying to get around or over him. True wisdom. True wisdom is what we are understanding and what we're seeing comes from this. I mean, you get true repentance, true forgiveness. There's true wisdom. True wisdom. Walk in the ways of God. We love to tout that. We embroider it on things. Post it in places. Are we really walking in the ways of God? Do we really want to live the way God told us to live? And I'm not talking about all the Old Testament rules and regulations. We've seen that. Hosea has made that abundantly clear. Those are just what was given so that we will live the way we're supposed to. Love the way we're supposed to. We're supposed to take care of the widows and orphans. Not squeeze them for everything they're worth. All those things, as we've seen through the minor prophets... God says, I'm not interested in all your bulls. I'm not interested in all your lip service. It's the heart. It's that we believe it and do it in a constant, not just a show act. Walking in the ways of God. True wisdom is walking in those ways. The opposite is true. True folly. is walking in rebellion to God. They're really the only two choices. Are we walking with God or are we walking against God? We're either for him or we're against him. There is no middle ground. Our world wants us to think that there's a third option. That I can sit on the fence and I can do a little God and I can do a little world and, and I can just bob back and forth. God says no. That's not how it works. You're either in rebellion to me and he chooses this word, rebellion, that you're against. Because there can't be I, it, one thing, just do one thing that's not there, you're in you're full rebellion. That's the way it is. If you're one mile over the speed limit, you're breaking the law. Just because the cop doesn't pull you over doesn't make you less guilty. <laughs> does it? See, that's what we fail to understand. The cop's not pulling you over for one mile. It's not worth his time. It's not worth the the hassle, the red tape, whatever it is. Just because God doesn't zap you today or tomorrow or maybe your whole life doesn't mean when you finally give a full account of your life before him that he's not going to sit there and go, okay, let's look at this. Get the tally slate going. You know, 50 slates later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that was just that infraction. Let's start on the next one. And he's listing off all the dates. Now, that. see, that's why he—that's why he has to forget our sins. That's why we need to be repent, so that he forgets. He puts them away, because then when he up, calls up that tally sheet, there's nothing on it. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Okay. You're free to go. Jesus took care of it. See, that's what the. Otherwise, we're in rebellion. <clears throat> We think that being in rebellion means that he's coming after us, that that life is going to be horrible. There are people who have wonderful lives. They're born, they live, they love, they have money, and they die. And people say nice things at their funeral. And guess what? They were in 100% total rebellion to God. when they get to heaven, they discover that life was not what God wanted. Go ahead, Cindy. That's why the cross is so important. Because without that, we don't know who we are in Christ. But when we understand what he did, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit did, that's when we can understand who we are in Christ. Well, but we don't want that. That's painful. That means I'm not a good person. I don't want somebody to tell me that. I want people to tell me that I'm a nice guy. I want people to, to... to, yeah, look at what he did. Yeah, woo, good. yeah. I don't want, I don't want God. To that's why people don't want God. Wait, I, I, what do you mean I'm, I'm living bad, and I'm a bad person? I don't want to, I'm not a bad person. What, who's God think he is and he tells me I'm a bad person? How is repentance an act of wisdom? You realize something needs to be changed. Okay, you realize something needs to be changed. Cindy? Say that again. How is repentance an act of wisdom? Go ahead, Carl. You're agreeing with God, what He says. You're agreeing with God, what He says, yeah. That's wisdom. When we realize that God's right, we say it, but do we really believe it? I mean, there's not a person, I think, sitting in this room that wouldn't say, well, yeah, sure, God's right. God's ways are good. Then why aren't you living that way? There's something in your life, I'm sure, that that needs to be changed to bring you in line with it. We're not truly wise, are we? Otherwise, we'd truly be walking in the ways of God, but we're, we're not. It's hard. But repentance is an act of wisdom, and it's totally contrary to the world. That's how come we can look at it and go, you know what? That is right. Because the world would say, there's no way I'm, I'm I'm agreeing that I'm living a bad life, that I'm an evil person. This is the problem with people that want to put pastors up on pedestals. Guess what? We're all human. <laughs> I mean, wisdom tells me that I'm not all that and then some. Uh, that I'm not good enough. I need I need this as much as anybody, if not more. It is not enough to know that God's ways are right. We must, underline that, underscore it, bold it, make it look like it's got halos and everything else. (laughs) Walk in them. We must walk in the ways of God. If we're not, then we're not wise. There are many people who know the word of God. I had a professor who got annoyed. He was at a state school, and they had a competition of scripture memory. Uh, at the at this, I mean, this was way back in the day, <laughs> and non-believers always seem to win these uh, these contests, and it annoyed him because they knew the word of God, they had no interest in living in it people that memorized the whole Bible. I and mean, you realize all the Pharisees of Jesus' day that were there had memorized pretty much the entire Old Testament. They knew the Word of God. They knew God's ways. They didn't walk in them. Uh, yeah. Go It's the question every Christian has to answer. Do we believe what we believe is really real? Yeah. Everyone's got to answer that. We, we, and it's a question we've got to ask pretty much every moment of every day in every circumstance. Do I really believe that what God says about whatever it is I'm about to do or am I going to do what I want to do? It's a moment by moment thing, isn't it? I mean, Paul, again, this is, all of this is the teachings of Paul that I'm reiterating because he took it out of all this Old Testament stuff and he boiled it down for us so that we could see it because it all comes to fruition in Christ. It is not enough to know God's ways are right. We must walk in them. All right, last comment. Question? No? All right. A couple of things to take with us this week. And then you can go downstairs and hop up with all your friends before Christmas. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. You're making me think I'm weird. Just old. Just old, yeah. Not was old as him. <laughs> Back that bus up. We must, we must admit our sin and need for forgiveness. That's the first thing we need to do. That's the second thing we need to do. It's the thing we need to do, not just once a day, all day. Because you know what? I find myself doing stupid stuff all day long and needing forgiveness because I've done some sin, some little little, little, little white lie, some little infraction, some thought that wasn't taken captive in Christ. We must admit our sin and need for forgiveness and seek it. Secondly, We who turn to God in repentance find his love and forgiveness. We need to hold on to that. If we turn to God, we need to know that he loves us and he's forgiven us. And that as it happens over and over and over again, there's more and more love and forgiveness. Now, that doesn't mean we should sin. But we don't need to be that depressed, Oh, I can't do it. It's so awful. I mean, that, that's, that's just drama for the sake of drama. God will forgive you. Seek true repentance. Turn from it. Give up that idol that you're worshiping, whatever it may look like. And turn. Third, wisdom is found in turning to God in Repentance. You want to be wise? That's wisdom. Forget what the world tells us. True wisdom is turning to him and seeking repentance. As we go for this holiday, the wisdom is recognizing that Christ has done that and made it possible for us. And that is what we are celebrating. Yeah, we don't want to think about Easter. But the celebration is his coming for the purpose of Easter, Amen. so that we can repent. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your willingness to teach us what true wisdom is willingness, willing to offer forgiveness at our repentance, willing to help us walk in it every moment of every day. As we go to celebrate your coming, help us to keep these in mind as we go through this season. In Jesus' name, amen.